All right. Well, uh, if you haven't been with us, we've been in a series in the book of Proverbs, and uh, we've said that the uh, theme of the book of Proverbs is wisdom. And we said that wisdom is knowing the right thing to do in the 80% of life situations where the rules don't directly ap- apply. I think the, the mic is on. Yeah. Where the rules don't directly apply. So you may know the rules, but, but how do you know who to marry? How do you know what job to take? How do you know whether to stay uh, in a place or move somewhere else? All of those things take wisdom. And as somebody else said, uh, wisdom is godliness in street clothes. I love that. So uh, you may know scripture, but do you have the ability to apply the principles to the Bible of the Bible to daily life? That's wisdom. Wisdom also is competent in regard to the realities of life. You may be skilled and competent in lots of things in life, but are you skilled at life? That's wisdom. And this morning, uh, we're going to look at what it might look like to, to be skilled or competent when it comes to the way we use our words. Today, we're going to look at the use of words. Um, outside of the book, uh, of the uh, topic of wisdom, the topic of words is the most prominent theme in the book of Proverbs. In other words, the Proverbs wants to tell us that the way to tell the difference between a wise person and a fool is to look at their words. Wise people know how to to use their language. They're skilled at choosing the right words to use. It's because wise people know that words are incredibly powerful. Uh, Somebody once said that words are singularly the most powerful force available to humanity. Words are incredibly powerful. And, you know, in order to use a gun, you need to get a a hunting license. And in order to use a car, you need to go get a driver's license. To fly a plane, you need a license. But anybody can talk. And yet words are incredibly powerful. They can do tremendous good, or as we'll see, they can do tremendous damage. Because words have disproportionate power. Uh, The book of James says that the, the tongue is a tiny member, and yet like a rudder on a ship, it can guide the entirety of one's life. The tongue can. Just one little word can change everything. And so words are so powerful, and wise people have learned how to harness the power of words. Uh, They've developed skill and competency with the way they speak and talk to, to people. Today we're gonna look at Proverbs 18.21. This is where we're gonna jump off uh, by looking at words, and, and it says in Proverbs 18:21, life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So again, life and death are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. I want to break uh, this verse into uh, three different parts today. Number one, we're going to look at the destructive power of words, how words bring death. Second of all, we're going to look at the life-giving use of words. And then thirdly, we're going to look how the wise develop, uh, how wise people cultivate their words. So the destructive power of words, the life-giving use of words, and the wise cultivation of words. Three things today. And so first, let's look at the destructive power of words. First, we're going to see that words have penetrating power. Uh, Proverbs 12, 18 says this, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And so here it compares words to a sword. In the same way that a sword can wound somebody, words have the power to wound people. 
Uh, We've all heard the phrase, sticks and stones can break my bones, but say it with me, words can never hurt me. We all know that that is so false. We all know that words can be devastating. Words can wound people like nothing else can. And this is because because words... uh, do things in you. Uh, Sticks and stones can do things to you, but words can penetrate into your very soul. Uh, This is why one scholar of the Proverbs puts it this way. He said, what is done to you is of little account compared to what is done in you. Words can destroy confidence, morale, relationships, marriages, and families in a way that sticks and stones can't. Words cause murders, suicides, and wars by the score. Even a single word can do this. Words are sparks. They're bombs. And so words penetrate. They, they go right in, and they can do things that weapons can't, right? And think about it. Think about uh, how words can destroy a person's self-image. Uh, what is a self-image? Well, a self-image is created by words. It is an accumulation of all the verdicts that have been said over you by parents, teachers, and coaches over the course of your life. And how quickly somebody with rash words or reckless words can devastate your self-image, your self-regard. And you all know this. Some of you are still dealing with words that someone spoke to you in your childhood. Uh, Some of you are still hearing those words reverberate uh, in your minds, and they're shaping the way you you look at yourself and look at the world and, and what you see when you look in the mirror. Words do this. I remember when I was younger, um, I, was, I was not very good at sports, but there was one sport that I was sort of good at. It was soccer. And, uh, and, and I remember there was one day when I quit soccer. I, was, I, had, I had arrived to practice late, and the coach uh, had given everybody instructions on how to do a new kick, how to kick it, the ball with the side of your foot. And so uh, I remember I showed up, and I went onto the field, and he says, okay, Brent, I want you to do it. And so he, he kicked the ball to me, and I, I didn't get the lesson, so I did something that must have been really weird because he, when I tried to kick it, he looked back at me, and he said, what was that? I don't remember the man's name. I don't even remember what he looked like. But I still remember the phrase and the tone in which he said the phrase. And, um, and I don't play soccer anymore. but words have the power to pierce right in and shape shape the entirety of one's life and one's self-image perhaps you're still hearing words like this ring in your ears you are worthless you are ugly you will never amount to much you disappoint me why can't you be more like your brother you're too fat you're too thin I want a divorce You should be ashamed of yourself. I hate you. I wish you were never born. And words like this can do damage like no weapon in this world can. We all know that. So words uh, have penetrating power. Uh, Words also have uh, relationship-destroying power, community-destroying power. Uh, Proverbs 16, 28 says this, a perverse man spreads dissension and a gossip divides close friends. If you've ever been a victim of gossip, you know how it can absolutely devastate a friendship. Uh, Gossip is like uh, toxic chemicals and it gets into a, a community and it absolutely just does incredible damage. 
I was listening to an interview uh, last week of this business leader. And he was a, a really successful guy and he had created a really successful team environment in his, in his company. And so the interviewer said, well, what is your secret? What's the one thing that, can you give us one thing that will help uh, else, uh, us uh, develop good teams? And he says, here's the thing. He says, in my company, there is one secret to developing a healthy team. He said, it's really hard to get fired from my company. He says, we'll teach you, we'll train you, we'll do all that we can to, to keep you on. But he says, we have a zero tolerance policy on gossip. He says, if you gossip, you're fired. You're, you, know, you know that reference. It, but it wasn't that guy. <laughs> you're fired. Because he says, we know that gossip is like toxic chemicals. And it just gets into a culture and it gets into a relationship and it does incredible damage. And again, it's because words penetrate. And someone can say a word to you or say a phrase and it hurts so badly and they can say, I'm so sorry. And they might also be implying, why can't things go back to the way they were? It's because the word, the word was uttered and once it's uttered, it can't be unuttered. And it's done, it's damage. And sometimes it can take months, years, in order for that wound to heal before you can trust that person again. Because words destroy relationships. It's because words also shape the way you feel about people. Tim Keller puts it this way. He says, you said it because you felt it, but after a while you feel it because you said it. And what he's saying is that words clothe our thoughts. And when you talk to a person a certain way, you begin to feel that way about the person. And by your words, you can shape a whole culture in a home. You can create a toxic family system by the way that you speak to one another. Can you imagine putting a tape recorder on the walls of your home? And just, you know, it, it records all the words that a family speaks to one another. I'll tell you, that recorder will reveal the direction that family goes in, whether it becomes dysfunctional or healthy. And then you learn those patterns of speech and you take those into the world. And words have the power to absolutely devastate a family, a company, a community, any relationship. Even words that we don't say can hurt people. I was in a restaurant the other day and there was a couple sitting next to us and they didn't say one word to each other the entire time. And the silence was deafening, it was awkward. And it's probably because uh, this couple had said so many damaging words to one another that they just stopped talking. And even when you don't say words that are necessary, it can hurt people. There are uh, children that are, that are just waiting to hear words from their father or their mother. Uh, we, need foods, uh, we need words like we need food. And we need certain words from certain people, and we don't get those words that could send us reeling off in life. Uh, words finally have the power to destroy physically even. Um, how many wars were started by words? How many suicides were motivated by words? Uh, how many uh, acts of violence were incited by words? Um, Hitler uh, 
annihilated scores and scores of Jewish people because of rhetoric. I don't think he pushed even, a, even one button on a gas chamber, but he exterminated people through his words. Um, with our words, we reinforce insecurity, promote fear, lower someone's self-esteem, crush a dream, encourage bitterness, and incite violence. Behold the destructive power of words. That's the first point. Second point uh, is that words also have life-giving power. And so wise people, they know, first of all, the destructive power of words, but they also know that words can be incredibly healing. Words can crush, but words can heal. Words can be poison, words can be wine, as the song says. And wise people know how to use words in a way that heal, heal heals people. Let's think about words that heal. Uh, one type of word that heals, according to the Proverbs, are, are gentle words. And so Proverbs 15.1 says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So a gentle answer turns away wrath. You know, someone's coming at you, and uh, they, they're uh, outraged, they're angry, they're upset, and with the right words, you can diffuse the anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. One of the ways that we make peace is through gentle words, by diffusing the vitriol. In our culture right now, we know that the rhetoric is explosive, people are angry, just go on Facebook, and it's so easy to just go into the fray and up the volume, isn't it? But you're just perpetuating the problem. Wise people know how to lower the volume and diffuse the outrage and anger with a gentle answer. A gentle answer might be, I'm sorry. You look angry. Tell me about that. Let me try to understand. Let me listen to you. A gentle answer turns away wrath. And someone says, well, gentle, this sounds so weak. No, a, a gentle answer actually takes incredible strength, doesn't it? Because it takes willpower to control your temper and to lower the volume. Any parent knows this. You go into the room and the kids are fighting and they're at each other's throats and the only way you're gonna diffuse all of that is by going in and lowering the volume. The worst thing you can do is just enter into the fray. But a gentle answer turns away wrath and heals community. There's a story in the Old Testament about King David. Do you remember this? And uh, he is, he's, he's running from Saul and he's out in the wilderness and he needs somewhere to stay. And so he encounters the guards uh, of a man named Nabal. Nabal is a fool. In fact, the word Nabal literally means fool. And so he, he goes to Nabal's guards and he says, he takes care of them, he feeds them, he gives them a place to stay. He says, go back to your master and, tell, and ask him if he will give us hospitality. And so the guards go back and they say, you know, David's out there, he's looking for some hospitality. And Nabal, in his foolishness, says, Get that man off my land. I owe him nothing. So the guards go back and they tell David this, and David is so incensed, he's so outraged and angry that he's gonna go and fight Nabal. But Nabal has a very wise wife. Her name 
was, anybody remember her name? Abigail. Abigail goes out to David as he's fuming and angry, and she quietly offers him some food. And she says, forgive my my master Nabal. He is what his name says he is. Let his his heir be on my head. She said, you don't want to you, you, Saul is after you. You're not taking vengeance on Saul. Why are you going to do it on him? And she gives him a gentle answer, and it diffuses his anger. And that's what wise people do. Uh, another type of a healing word is a fitting or apt word. Um, Proverbs 25:11 says this: a, f- a word fitly spoken or aptly spoken is like apples of gold and a setting of silver. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a, setting of sil- in a setting of silver. So like fine jewelry, fine china is an apt or fitting word. What is a fitting word? A, f- a fitting word is the right word to the right person at the right time. And the op- uh, an unfitting word is the wrong word to the wrong person at the wrong time. Some of you men know this. Uh, maybe you have asked a woman, when are you due? And she wasn't. That's the wrong word to the wrong person at the wrong time. And an apt word is the right word to the right person at the right time. And this kind of word can heal people. The wrong word can absolutely devastate someone's soul and their self-regard. But an apt word, a fitting word, can heal a person's self-regard. It can heal a broken spirit. You want healing powers? Like Frodo? Does he have healing powers? No, it's Gandalf. Feels like, no, Brent, no. You've got the power of healing in your words. Because words pierce right in. And they can do what no scalpel or no surgeon is able to do. Words can heal. Fitting words can heal. I remember in my life, there was a time in my younger years, I was probably late 20s, early 30s, and I desperately wanted to be a preacher. And so I was uh, getting, jumping at every chance I could get and, uh, you know, guest speaking here and filling in pulpits there. And uh, it was, it was one, there was one time when I just preached a horrible sermon. It was awful. And I, and I was just about ready to give up. I thought, I'm just no good at this. I'm going to try something else. Uh, I failed. I give up. But I had another speaking engagement, so I had to go. And so I went and I preached at this little church. I still remember it was in Arlington, Texas. And the sermon was not bad. When you're 28, none of your sermons are all that good. But this one wasn't, wasn't all that bad. And afterwards, this, this man, this, this old, older gentleman in cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, came up to me. And he said, son, you need to be a preacher. And he says, you need to put away that mop or that broom and go into ministry. And again, I don't, I don't remember what the man looked like aside from the cowboy hat and the boots. <laughs> I don't remember his name, but I remember his words because they healed my broken spirit. And, we're, and fitting words can do this. The right words at the right time can do incredible things. And there are people in your life that need your words right now. They need your fitting words. Uh, Don't wait too long before you speak to them.
Okay, another type of uh, speech that's healing are truthful words. So Proverbs 24, 26 says this, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. An honest answer, a truthful answer, is better than a really good kiss. And don't we need this right now? Uh, we all, we all, we've all lived through 2020. We know that uh, one of our greatest problems is the fact that people perpetuate falsehood. And it's on both sides of the aisle, right? Uh, both both uh, the right and the left can do this. And the reason why falsehoods are so bad is because they distort reality. And be, because Jesus says, I am the truth. And, and what it means for wise people is that whoever you are, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian or something else, if you're a Christian, you need to be committed to the truth. And sometimes we want something to be true so badly that we will share it on Facebook before we've verified whether it's true or not. And Christians of all people ought to be so committed to the truth that we're not going to share it, we're not going to speak it, even if we want it to be true, until we've verified its accuracy. Again, both sides of the aisle need to do this. Christians in our culture need to heal society by being truth-tellers. Truth heals uh, even when it's hard truth that's spoken. Proverbs 27.6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So this is talking about hard truth, that you speak to somebody because you love them. Many of us surround ourselves with fans and not friends. And a fan is somebody who tells you what you want to hear. They flatter you. They care more about your approval than they do about you. But a friend is somebody that will tell you the truth, even when it hurts. A friend won't let you walk around with your zipper down. A friend won't let you, let you walk around with lettuce on your teeth. And a friend won't let you walk around with a deep character flaw that you can't see. They're going to tell you the truth so that you could change and so that you could get better, so that you could heal, because they love you. And don't we need people that are courageous and wise enough to speak the truth? But they speak it in love. You know, they're not going to say it in a way that's cruel or offensive. They're going to do it in a way that's tactful, but they're going to tell you the truth. Truthful words. Also, words that heal are gracious words, and I, and I love these. These are all over the Proverbs, and it's, I wanted to pick a, a verse for it, but there's just so many. But gracious words are what Scott Sauls called benedictions. A benediction uh, comes from a Latin word which means good word. Benediction, good word. And we all need to hear good words. These are, are words that are encouraging, that are uplifting. Instead of, we need to hear the hard truth, but we also need to hear good gospel truth spoken to us because we can't see it. In a moment of transparency, Mariah Carey one of the most successful artists in the, in the history of pop music, said in an interview that if she hears a thousand words of praise 
and one word of criticism, that one word of criticism will eliminate the thousand praises in her mind. That's so true, isn't it? You can hear a, th- a th- you know, a thousand words of praise, but one criticism, and you forget all the good stuff. It's because criticism stick to us like Velcro, and praise just kind of flows through our hands like water. And healing words, words that bring life, are gracious words. Ann Voskamp puts it this way. She says, only speak words that make the soul stronger. Only speak words that make souls stronger, she says. Encouraging words give courage. They give you strength. They give you energy to keep going in life. Are you speaking gracious words? Let me give you some examples of gracious words. Words like, you matter. You are the image of God. You are loved at your best. You are loved at your worst. You are uniquely gifted. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are God's child, the bride of Christ, the vessel of the Holy Spirit, an heir of the universe. I see potential in you. I value you. I need you. I respect you. I will for, or will you forgive me? I like you. I love you. These are the words that people around us need to hear. These are benedictions, as Scott Saul says. These are words that make souls stronger. Scott Sauls, who talks about this a lot, he, he says in his, in his church that he runs, he says they want to create a culture of benediction. And he says every Monday morning in their staff meetings, he says we begin by giving each other benedictions. We just go around the room and tell each other something positive and encouraging and true about one another. And he says we get really, really specific. And what, what, what kind of culture would that create in a business, in a church, in a home, in any community? I'll tell you that a church that has created a culture which we are healing with our words is incredibly attractive. And people want to join communities like that. The destructive power of words, second of all, the life-giving power of words. Wise people know that words not only destroy, but they could actually heal. They have healing powers. They pierce right in. Finally, let's ask the question, how do we cultivate good words? How can we become wise with words? And I want to encourage you that this doesn't happen automatically. And I was so convicted this week because I I can just say words recklessly. Words come out of my mouth and I don't even know that I'm saying them. And I could be so foolish with my words. And and so let's talk just for a few minutes about how to cultivate good language, good words. Uh, The first thing I want you to think about is that first you must be careful with your words. Proverbs 10, 19 says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking. Put that on your refrigerator. Put it on your mirror. Uh, James says, be slow to speak. Let every person be quick to hear and slow to get angry. God gave you two ears and one mouth. That should tell you something. Be careful with the way you use your words. Surgeons are really careful with scalpels. 
They're skilled with it, and wise people are that way with their words. Here's another proverb. This is 1728. I love this one. Even a fool is considered wise when he keeps silent. <laughs> Just be quiet, and people will think you're smart. Right? This, is, this should tell us something. Bef- think before you speak. There's a great acronym. It's WAIT. So before you speak, or nowadays before you post something on Facebook, ask, go through this ac- acronym WAIT. W-Y-M-I talking. Why am I talking? So before you do it, before you post it or say it, why am I saying this? How is, this, how is the person I'm speaking to going to hear these words? Here's another acronym. Think. Is it true? Before you say it, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Wise people know how, wor- how powerful words are, and they're so careful before they speak. One old uh, uh, Judaic proverb says, God gave you two guards for your tongue, your teeth and your lips. Use them. Okay, be careful with words. Second of all, uh, cultivate uh, healing words by being intentional with your words. Be careful, also be intentional. It's not enough just to, you know, button your lips and to not speak. Because like we've said earlier, people need to hear your words. So be incredibly intentional about what you say. Ask yourself the question, who needs to hear my words today? And how do they need to hear them? And what words do they need to be? Uh, over the years here, um, many, many, many of you have written me letters. You've written me emails. you sent me text messages. And so many of those words were incredibly fitting. And you don't even know, you don't even know, you never will know uh, how a text message will keep me going, or how a letter. I keep them in my drawer, and I pull them out again and again and again. Who needs to get a letter from you today? Who needs to get a text message from you today? And be apt about it. You know, don't, don't say something through a text that would be better through a letter. And don't write it over email. If you, what you really need to do is talk to them in person. Gosh, be smart about this. Because your words matter, and you've got to be incredibly intentional and courageous and thoughtful and proactive when it comes to your language. And then finally, I want, you, want to encourage you to be introspective uh, when it comes to your words. Ultimately, uh, our problem with words is a problem with our hearts. Uh, because Proverbs says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Um, guard your heart, because out of it flow the issues of life. It, it does no good to be careful and to be intentional if you haven't done any work on your heart. Words come out of the heart. Jesus said this. A good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil tre- uh, treasure, produces evil. For, what does it say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the question is, what's in my heart? You're never going to speak good words if your heart is not good. What, what is coming out of the overflow of your inner person? 
Someone might say, well, how do I change my heart? If this is so important, how do I, how, how do I change what's inside? Well, you need to think about why our words are so powerful. Our, our words are so powerful because we're made in the image of a speaking God. And his words are powerful. If our words are powerful, just think how much more powerful God's words are. Through his words, he created the world. Through the words of Jesus, he healed pe- people's diseases. And through the word of God, he gives us new life. If we're ever gonna change our hearts, we need to hear God's words. Jesus uh, was more wise with his words than anybody who ever lived. And before he said anything in ministry, before he lifted a finger, he first heard the words of his father. Remember he was baptized at the very beginning? And when he came out of the water, a voice came from heaven, and it said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And out of those words, he spoke. And so let me encourage you to soak in God's word. You need to hear the word of the gospel. I love what uh, an old Puritan said, for every 10 looks at your own sin, or for every one look at your own sin, you need to take 10 looks at Jesus. And so many of you, you, you you've, got a, you've got a voice recorder in your mind, and it says things to you that are discouraging. They're not true. They're destructive. And you need to learn how to silence that voice and hear the voice of God. Soak in his word. His word needs to be louder than any other voice. They need to pierce in. Because as they do, they will change your heart. They will change your life. Read your Bible. Read it every day this week. Read it in the morning. Let it pierce your heart and change your words. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for uh, this, this lesson about our words. And God, I pray that, that in our marriages, in our parenting, in our workplaces, in our communities, that you would make us wise people. Lord, help us to choose our words carefully. I pray that we'd, we would choose our words intentionally. God, knowing how powerful they are to heal and to give life, I pray that you would change our hearts and, and do the work inside uh, that needs to be done in order for us to speak out of the abundance of our hearts. And I pray that you would use us, God, to bring healing and peace and joy, to be menders of the fabric of this world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.